The reading is taken from Job 38, verses 12 to 18, and Job 40, verses 1 to 5. Have you ever given orders to the morning, or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised raised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. And chapter 40, verses 1 to 5. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who, who accuses me, so, sorry, let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his words. Thank you, Wendy, for reading it for us. Um, let's pray. So, Father God, thank you for your words. Thank you for journeying with us through the book of Job. And we pray that as we come to an end today, that we'll draw into the lessons that you want us to draw. And you're going to give us the strength, Lord, that we need to continue to trust you, to continue to build our life um, and the promises that you've given us. Thank you that we can come today, Lord, as your people who are called by your name to worship and to live for you. And Lord, I pray that you'll enable us through your spirit as we listen to your word now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, that reading wedding once again. And again, thank you to Aaron, to Elsa, to Christine and to Cara for leading us into our song worship. Um, we are continuing with our act of worship by listening to God's words. And uh, as a church, we've been journeying through the book of Job. And uh, today we're coming to the end of Job. And I've been arming another ring whether we should bring this end in two Sundays or one Sunday. And um, only on Friday, I decided that probably it's better that we do um, this ending in one Sunday. And we talked about Job and God and the whole um wisdom that comes from uh, the book of Job. And before I kind of go into the applications and stuff, I hope you have had a chance to read through the book of Job. It's not an easy book to read. I've read it several times as I've prepared. And it's it's a, a very um, complicated book. It's poetry. And again, I've, as I've said in the past, poetry, um, Hebrew poetry is not about the flow and the 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 rhythm and uh about the making you know the rhymes and stuff it's about sense 
and that's what Job and the, 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 the writer of Book of Job has been trying to, to convey uh, to us through this difficult uh, book. But there's been some amazing um, lessons that we have learned. Um, I have learned a lot um, from um, going through the book and then learn a lot by also preparing and trying to um, apply some of the things that we um, have been drawn to, uh, our attention have been drawn to as we have uh, journeyed with the book of Job. So um, just to go through um, the, I, I want to, to, to take you on a ride um, to, through different chapters. So what I did on Thursday or Friday, I sat down and I read again the book of Job and I did chapter titles. I think that's one thing that I've learned when I first went to Bible school, that if you're going to read um, a, a Bible passage, it's good habit, it's good discipline that you write your own chapter titles rather than the ones that are on the top of the passages in your Bible. So that's what I did. And um, I, I, it was very helpful again just to get a feel of um, what, what is going on in the book of Job. So um, the book of Job starts with chapter 1 where Satan in the heavenly realm asks God, does Job fear God for no reason? And um, there are afflictions happen in Job with God permitting it. And in chapter three, we've got Job who asks the question, uh, you know, and and basically he laments his birth, the day of his birth. And again, we're not going to go in every chapter, uh, don't worry. But I just wanted to give you a feel of the book if you have not had a chance to read it. And I'd really encourage you to read it. And then we've got chapter nine, where Job says that he is blameless and he truly is blameless because we know that in the first chapters he's a righteous man there is no fault found in him um, and Job in chapter 9 says I am blameless I loathe my life there is no arbiter between me and God who might lay his hand on us both and chapter 10 says I'm fed up um, I'm really suffering here and then in chapter 13 um Job um, says, I desire to speak to the Almighty and I really deserve to argue my case of my suffering. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Amazing chapter, chapter 13. And then we've got chapter 16, where Job kind of wraps up this um, interaction that he's had with his friends, these three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, and they've tried to say to him that, you know, the reason why you're suffering is because you've been a sinful man. You've been turning, you know, you, you've been suffering because of your iniquities and wickedness. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And Job says to them in chapter 16, you are such miserable comforters. Um, and really, you know, who who wants enemies? If you've got friends like Alphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And then um, we've got chapter 24, where again this conversation continues. And um, in talking about this idea, whether the wicked are judged rightly or not. Um, but Job says the wicked are not charged in ch chapter 24. 
with wrong as they should, but instead they are secured and supported. And this does not make sense. It's really does not make sense. And then again, um, in Job chapter 26, he says, but the thunder of God's power, who can understand? Then in Job 28, we talked a little bit about the wisdom and the idea that the man, mankind is very um, gifted in unearthing wisdom. It, it, sorry, is very gifted in unearthing minerals, is very gifted in exchanging um, stuff, but um, they cannot find wisdom. Um, they cannot see uh, that that wisdom is only found in God. Um, and then we've got um, moving a shift then from when, uh, from chapter twenty eight, when we've got uh, chapter twenty nine of Job, when he really summarizes his defense before God. He is really. He knows that he is really suffering and he does not know the reason because actually he is a righteous man. Chapter 30 says, my soul is poured out within me and pain that groans me takes no rest. God, you have turned cruel towards me. And if I've done wrong, let me put on the scale and let God know my integrity. Job 30 chapter 31 and in this one he he um he comes to this question and he says actually i want for the almighty to answer me and that's the peak of the book of job when when job really wants the almighty to uh to to answer them you know I want the let the Almighty answer me. And as Wendy reminded us very well with the reading, is that towards the end of the book, Job gets an answer from God. God answers. God speaks. And um as as we as we said last week, that Elihu was the guy that was Job's fourth friend, and he somehow is preparing for the way, uh, is preparing the way for God to speak. And here we've got chapters 38 to 42, which we're going to be kind of uh, rushing through uh, today and just um, take some lessons that we can really um, get on board with with things that we've learned from um, the book of Job. Now, one thing that is very clear is that um, suffering is very real, and what we're going through during this time is is real. We cannot deny it. And one thing that is very clear here is that suffering has got an impact, not only in the person who suffers but the persons who are near him and also persons who are not so near him. And I think um, suffering leads us into a temptation. I think suffering leads the sufferer to be tempted and the people around 
him or her to be tended as well. So there is there is a temptation here to, if we're going through suffering, and you are the person who is being suffering, the temptation is to deny God. And it's 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 raw, it's real. But I think also what we have learned about the book from Book of Job is that the temptation of those around the sufferer is to to be trying to give a solution to trying to be give um, to find the answers when actually we sometimes don't know the answers. So one thing that we have learned, I have learned from the book of Job is what do we do with the temptations that suffering, the questions that the suffering brings uh, before us. And again, I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm not trying to, to, to underestimate the impact the suffering has got in me, in, in, in people who are going through that. That's, that's undeniable. But the question that we're asking is, what do we do with the temptations that suffering brings? And as I've been reminded last week, and I shared that with you, is that I do thank God for people who've come alongside me in my difficult moments and they've kind of showed me God and they've kind of come so close to me that in one sense have helped me not to deny God, not to say things that are not appropriate uh, before God. And I think that has been a, a great help um, because I know that I've recognized it when I've not had those people around and how far I've gone with with those things. So it's it's quite real. It's quite raw. One thing that is happening in chapters 38 to 42, when God is answering Job, he is asking him questions. And there are over 70 questions, actually. There are a series of questions from, as one commentator says, from cosmology, oceanology, oceanography, meteorology, astronomy, and God is challenging Job's competence to, do, to judge his control over the world. And Job's response, Job's response is, I am limited in my understanding, and therefore, I'll put my hand over my mouth. So, so in one sense, those questions lead Job to humility, to understand his own limitations, and he to understand that actually his comprehension as under, and understanding is so limited. And it's so frustrating because actually we want to know. We want to know the ins and outs. We want to know the dealings. Um, the, the, we want to know, we want to understand. And it's so frustrating when we don't understand. But there's another thing that um, Job realizes when God speaks to him. He realizes that the accusations and the things that he has said about God have been said in pride. And therefore, 
there is an element there that in God's revealing himself, revealing his wisdom, his power, his his magnificence, um, then Job realizes that he needs to do something here. I'm going to be reading from chapter 42, verses 1 to 6, and then uh, we'll take it from there. This is Job's uh, response to what God has has asked Job. I know that you can do all things. No plans of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. And you said, listen now, and I will speak. I'll question you, and you shall answer me. And Job says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and in ashes. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And this this statement really draws me to that challenge that the disciples of Jesus had. And um, if you've been able to join us for dwelling in the word, uh, the last three or four weeks, there has been that challenge in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus saying, can you not see, can you not understand? When, when he is there, he is the Messiah, and he's doing all these things, and they still are not understanding. And there comes the moment when Peter declares that, Jesus, you are Christ. You are the Messiah. And, and actually, in another part, as, uh, as the gospel reminds us, uh, Christ is saying to Peter that he is able to say this only through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. But here we've got Job, and he says, My ears have heard you, my, my have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I therefore despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So there is this not only acknowledgement of his own limitations, but this also an acknowledgement of his pride. This is what Elihu has been telling him, that there is nothing wrong in Job's righteousness, but in the way that he has expressed himself towards God. There has been pride. There has been things that he's he's been really entitled to, to well, he has expressed as if he is entitled to, when actually it is not his place. It's obvious that Job does not repent for the things that his previous three friends have asked him to, because there was no problems with that. So uh, they thought he was a wicked man, and that is that is not true. Job was not a wicked man, so he doesn't have to repent of those. But he repents of the things that actually he 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 realizes that there was bitterness and pride that has followed his his um, demand to 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 get an answer from God. And the irony here is that. Uh, Job prays 
for his friends as well. Throughout the whole time of the book, one thing that we have seen that has, has been lacking is the friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, Elihu, pray for Job and, and intercede for him in his suffering. And it's quite ironic that once he's come to the realization of who God is, he decides to pray for his friends. And also God asks Eliphaz, as the elders of them all, to repent for what they've done to Job and the way that they've spoken about him. So um, there is, the, as I said, this book is full and of, of, of stuff. And, and there is a realization here from Job to actually turn to God in repentance in the midst of his suffering and 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 it's it's that reminder that we do not explain we do not re, uh, understand or we do not receive that's what i'm trying to say receive the explanations regarding our problems job did not receive explanations around 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 his problems but he did come to a much deeper sense of the majesty and 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 who god was i used to hear about you but now i see you i want to finish with one thing that has been very interesting that i've noticed in the book of job and um it's been the understanding of people for the purpose of suffering. We, we have not spoken, I've not mentioned Job's wife, but the moment that she sees Job, she says, oh, curse God now and die. So in one sense, there was an element in, in Job's wife that kind of saw that the purpose for suffering, it was delusion just to delude you and and just forget about it the purpose for suffering for job's friends was discipline god disciplines the the people who turn their backs against him um i think job's understanding of suffering was because god really wanted him to be destroyed was destruction and as we know that Elihu has got something more to say here as the fourth friend, that Job's suffering was to, yeah, to point him to this realization of deeper sense of who God is. But one thing that we see in the book of Job is that God's purpose in suffering is to once again show to the devil the accuser, the enemy of our soul, to demonstrate that he is God, but also to demonstrate that his people really are faithful in serving and loving God in the midst of this suffering. And what we see here as well from the book and what we see also in the New Testament, that the other reason why God allows suffering is 
for that spiritual insight to be enhanced, to be developed. From that hearing and just knowing to the experiencing with eyes and seeing God for real. And again, I keep coming back to that verse that Paul says in Corinthians. And that's what I want to finish with uh, scripture uh, today. When when Paul is saying that three times in Second Corinthians chapter 12, I pleaded with the Lord to take away this suffering from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And how did Paul manage to come into this realization? Well, it's very clearly because the way that he blesses the Corinthians church in the end of the book. And we use that a lot in our in our meetings. And he's, he's experienced God's grace, he's experienced God's love, and he's experienced God's fellowship, although it has been very painful. So I want to finish that as a prayer for us all, as we live these days of pandemic, as we look into the future, that we would know God's love, that we would experience his grace and the close fellowship of the Spirit to be with us. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all today and forevermore. Amen.